All right, so we're here with a podcast. We are with... You good? You done laughing? All right, so we're going to be awkward through this, but it'll be fine. Uh, what we want to do is, I'll give us introductions, but I'm Miles Scarborough, and what we want to do today is just be able to talk to you guys about some and important details that we believe young adults aren't talking about too much uh, from a Christian perspective. You always hear older people talking about it, but I think more younger people need to stand up for what they actually believe in. So, uh, who we have here today is three young studs. We have me, I'm Miles Scarborough, I go to Bob Jones, and I'm trying to be a youth pastor. And then I also work at Brian as an intern. And who are you? I am Ty Derry. I also live in Fayetteville. I also go to Berean Baptist Church. All right. I'm Jack Murphy. I live in Boone. I go to App State. I'm a CJ major, and I work at the church here as well. All right, perfect. So what we want to answer today is this is going to be our whole outline format, what our focus is going to be on. It's on why are young adults leaving the church? So pretty broad question, but it's an important question that we need to talk about. Um, So just to start off, I want to answer the question, since they're leaving the church, I think it's pretty obvious that young adults are moving away from the church. You can look at statistics. So, like, where do you guys think they're going to? Because they're leaving, where are they going? Because they're leaving something. So what do you think? They're not going to any religion. If anything, they're turning away from all religion, unless it's, like, a self-focused religion, such as, like, the whole karma, kind of like, like, kind of like the whole self-healing self right. religion. Right, like some new age practices. New age, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think a lot of them focus on politics now. That seems to be kind of their god for our generation. A lot of people our generation are starting to focus on that a lot more. Yeah. You can see that with a lot of the podcast listeners for political podcasts. Their viewers are typically about our age now. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I mean, because especially that big liberal focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with, like, Republicans, people do really like that that politic aspect of it. I mean... I, I don't know why, if it's just like because they like the conflict of it, or if it's just a different methodology. It focuses on what's going on here and now, and not what right. we, not what's in the, what we think is the distant future. Right. And it's so divisive and almost combative now because of how passionate certain sides can get, not just to crap on the left side, but they typically are the more emotional, unstable side that do violent things for their beliefs. Right. Um, so it's just, it's really divisive. It's something to like put their faith in a cause and, and go forward with that to, you know, be accepting of everybody and help everybody and love everybody no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it's even really prevalent inside the church as well. How yes. heavy black versus right politics can be inside the church, be it whatever side you're on. It's both sides are everywhere. And there's no disagreeing and still being loving towards each other. It's if you disagree with me, then I hate you. Essentially. Yeah, and we all pretty much know that mo- most people, like you said, are going to that, that liberal side. Um, and like, I think about that and we usually as like conservatives in the church, like, oh, they're going to liberals. But I, I get the idea of like, they, I think deep, deep down they're, they're sinners obviously. And they want to please themselves. But I think part of it is that they, our culture is, does have this different desire to change things, but they're just going about it a different way from their own personal perspective, their own selfishness. Um, so yeah. And like, so I'd say definitely politics. I also say, you know, it's might be cliche but it's true they're just going to sin they rather why would they go to a formulated structure that's telling them not to do stuff they want to do and that's kind of what you touched on that they're going to something they want to do and want to make it's like they feel focus. convicted when they're in the church because they want to do their own thing but if they're in the church they're constantly hearing they shouldn't be doing things of the world right which puts a lot of pressure on them yeah spiritually so like uh you run away from things and stick with it mm-hmm. like i was watching a video and 
it was talking about how, um, and we'll get into this more later, more specifics, but just how they're, like, going to different, uh, like, they're still going to church. They still see the importance of the community, but it's, like, this, it's totally different church. I was watching this PBS broadcast thing. It was, like, they go, it's, like, a therapy session. So, like, you get everyone in there. You get gay people. You get transgenders. You get everyone you want. It's not exclusive at any point. And, because that's a big thing, tolerance. They want to tolerate everybody. So, you, everyone gets in there, and they're just listening to this guy talking about like self-help and like they really believe they're doing the right thing and they think they're really including everybody but it's this this idea of helping yourself find your true self finding your your happiness having self-love and i feel like that's the big focus so which is different than therapy i think it's always good to be able to talk to people about things going on in your life and have people encourage each other but when it takes a religious aspect it's where it starts getting really Kind of we kind of messed up, kind of turning away because that's not what religion's all about. Like, if you want to, if you want, if you need, if you need to, you know, feel good about yourself or not feel good, not not feel good about yourself, but if you if you just need help and need to talk to people, that's what therapy sessions are for, or just really good friends. Or a proper understanding of fellowship, like a scriptural exactly. understanding yeah. of fellowship, is the accountability and the love and the encouragement and the conviction when you need to stop doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to kind of go into this idea of liberal because. How, how do we define that? What would be our definition of liberal? liberal? Yeah, Tolerant, except for when you don't agree with them. <laughs> um, you know, you can, you can have any sort of lifestyle. You can't be shamed for any sort of lifestyle. Um, you can add to it. Because I'm kind of blanking all of a sudden. <laughs> I, Me too. I think, like, uh, there's two definitions of it. Because a lot of progressives and a lot of liberals, progressive Christianity, they'd be like, well, Christ was liberal. And with, I, w- I would actually agree that Christ was liberal, but not with the definition they're, they're talking about. Because yeah. I would define liberal as like seeking freedom, but seeking freedom through Christ. And it's totally different from what they're doing. They're seeking through freedom through themselves. And it's a common theme through this. So you, listener, you're, you'll recognize this and pick up on it. Because I want to make sure this is our focus. Is that people are just focused on themselves. And that's really the core to it. So I want you to be thinking with that idea in mind. So let's get even more into it. Um, and talk about these different reasons. We talked about it a little bit. So we see where they're going to. They're going to politics. They're going to sin. They're uh, apathetic. They're going to more digital platforms. We have a lot of youth who just think they can watch it on TV mm-hmm. and watch a recording. And yeah, that's fine. Fellowship entirely. Yeah. Yep. Like just do a certain audio. And they actually, I think a lot of Christians do that and think that's fine. It's useful for its, for the, it's useful for its purpose. Right. But it shouldn't be the substitute for the church. Yeah. I agree. So let's talk about this idea of, of tolerance a little bit. Um, so wh- why is this a bad idea for what liberals are doing? What do you guys think? For this tolerance, what's wrong with tolerance from a liberal perspective? As Christians looking at liberals who emphasize tolerance. I mean, there's a point where it goes from tolerance to being accepting, I guess you could say. Like, as a, as a Christian, you want to not shun the people who are in sin, like let's say, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to, like, that's, and that's like, that's kind of going back to why people in churches, because how old, I guess you could say, uh, how uh, condescending I guess it would be at times, mm-hmm. for, for certain kinds of books, but with gay people and stuff like that, like, yeah, we as Christians believe that is a sin, but we don't want to shun them from the church, whereas when you go more liberal, it, they're almost over eager to accept anybody and everybody for everything without looking at the fact that it is sin. We yeah. can accept. We need to accept that it's sin, but we want to accept that they're still human and they are sinners. So are we, 
and that we could, we need to accept them because nobody's going to change by being aggressive towards them. I mean, being mean to someone who's not going to want them to make a change whatsoever. you got to be helpful and just be open and willing to them. But definitely it comes to where tolerance is the biggest focus in with, with, with younger people. This idea of just everybody should be accepted for everything, regardless of what it is. Yeah. I think uh, that's something that is annoying about tolerance because, I mean, they get so up, like, they just don't like the way we think because we're exclusive. Um, and a big problem with, I think, with gospel Christianity, not with ours, but with people looking in at it, looking outside, looking to Berean and seeing it, they think we're exclusive and uh, we are, if we're honest with ourselves. The gospel is exclusive. The gospel is conditional. I mean, um, but they look at that as hatred towards the people who are in our lifestyle, but that's not the point. The fact is there are just certain churches and unfortunately certain examples where people are hateful towards those groups. And so they just label all of us as that. But in reality, we want to be loving and kind and accept, well, not accepting, but we want to reach out to you, but you think we can't because you have a different lifestyle and you think we're just going to hate you. Right. And it's the same way how with, like, the whole idea of how with, like, with liberals, how people say, you know, liberals are the crazy, <clears throat> crazy loud, outspoken, you know, get in your face, want to fight you type. And that's, and it goes the same way with the church, with Christians. It's, they get, liberal people or young people get the idea of the church from the people who are the really annoying, in your face, loud, hateful type versus the majority of people who are generally accepting and warm and want to help you but instead you see the protesters that are you know yelling out against the most ridiculous things or protesting saying you know god hates the gays that is the most yeah ridiculous protesting ever and that is just the most unloving and untrue and untrue uh-huh. thing ever i mean that's not no no real christian would think that way no that's not that's not what it literally says in the bible Love your neighbor as yourself, and your neighbor, aside from love the Lord your God with all your heart, with everything, you need to love uh, love your neighbor as yourself, and your neighbor is, is everyone. Right. So how are you going to love them if you're saying that them. hate them? <laughs> yeah. That's just, if, and, that's, and that's hypocrisy, and that's another thing that I would say is one of the biggest reasons that young people turn away from the church, is the hypocrisy that you see in a lot of churches at mm-hmm. times. Yeah. But we'll throw down more of that later. Yeah. But, um, he's just insulting my spelling of hypocrisy. It's fine. I know how to spell it. I'm not going to, but I know how to. All right. Uh, so yeah, I think going off that idea, um, they really are, our society today is really pluralistic and just that they think every religion's okay. You find your own religion. So if I'm an atheist, I'm still okay. If I'm a new age person, I'm looking towards one God. If I'm Christian, I'm looking towards one God. And it's just all pushing us to the same idea. It's just some different ways of approaching it, but it's all leading us towards the same point. That's what they believe with this pluralism. So like, for example, like with uh, like a Buddhist, okay? You have Buddhism and they're seeking Nirvana. And a lot of people, it, it doesn't make sense we actually look at it because Buddha doesn't even, Buddhism, it's not even focused on a God, but they think you're just finding your true self and you're still pointing to the right religion. And then you have Islam, and that's a big thing. People try to compare Christianity and Islam, the same thing, but they're worshiping two different gods. But how they try to say it's the same God. You're just looking at it from a different approach. Um, and I think that's a big problem because people don't understand, and this is a thing that I'm really passionate about, is that, that God is our God. And this is, the God of Scripture is the true God. And no other God that's God, little g, that is uh, 
illustrated that's in Islam, that's in Buddhism, that's in Hinduism, that's in all these other ones, isn't God. I mean, we have in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, that God is, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And it's about what Christ Jesus did, how God sent his son Christ to this world. And how it, it's about Christ, it's about what God did. And it, it's, you can't combine other, other uh, scriptures into it. I mean, it, it just doesn't work. And like John 14, 6, talking about, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I mean, that, that's a, a conditional thing right there. Because you come through Christ. You don't come through following Islam, following their God. You don't do it through finding yourself through Buddhism. You don't do it through these other things. You find it through this one religion, the true religion. And it's even more than a religion. It's Christianity. It's the truth. And people don't see it as the truth. And that kind of goes into that postmodern idea we were touching on. That everyone just makes their own truth. And that's really the core of it. That everyone's twisting things. Yeah, they don't want to give up control. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to really be a Christian, you gotta, you give up control of your life essentially. It's because it's not you're you're not the one in control, God is. And if you're not the one in control, that that's just that doesn't that makes nobody happy. Probably a lot of young people happy. I mean, it's you want if you want especially with young especially younger people transitioning from being teenagers to adults who've had to live in a, in, a, in a house with the parents for so long. A lot of people just want to be on their own and be in control of their own lives, and right. honestly, that's what with a lot. And I'm sure it's been the case with young people throughout the generations, but it's just the the the, the mindset of wanting to be free and on your own. And a lot of people go overboard with it very quickly, and they quickly kind of fall down a very slippery slope to where they're you know in trouble. Right. But it's that it's the idea of wanting to be in control that really appeals to them. And if you're in a church, you're, li you're, you're living your life by essentially a set of rules. But they, don't, they want to live by li life by their own rules. Yeah. That really is what is one big push away is this, the lack of control. Yeah. And going back to the comparative thing of different religions and they trying to say that their God is almost the same as our God. It's just from different perspectives. One really big differing thing between our religion and theirs is that their gods all require things of them, yeah. but our God did everything for us. All we have to do is put our faith in him. Mm -hmm. He requires nothing good of us, but every other religion is, you do these works for me, then I'll reward you. Yeah, and that, that's so true. Because it's just, like, I, if everyone would stop for a minute and just, like, stop attacking and actually think about what they're presenting, they're like, oh, well, actually, Christianity doesn't go with Islam because they're literally saying two different <laughs> things. Like, Buddhas, like, that's why it's hard to even explain Buddhism in comparing Christianity because they're so different. Yeah. And they're so two completely different. The only similarity they have that. is religion. They're yeah, religion. It's, religion, it's, religion, religion yeah. Yeah. it's just like, it, it's annoying. And it really is because I think people aren't thinking. They're just so emotional about things. And mm -hmm. they hear it and they're like, that's a good idea. I like, mm -hmm. I like that there's no conflict through that. And then Christians are really the only people saying... I think, that are really saying, no, you can't do that. So people get mad at us because we're the only ones mm -hmm. kind of bringing this conflict. But, I mean, we'd be wrong not to. Not in a mean, hateful way like you were talking about, Ty. But that you stand up for yourself. You don't. Uh, what Christians a lot of times do is that they, they young adult Christians, they, they compromise on their faith. And I, I think that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also happens, especially with people who that we got to stand up for our faith at times. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's where this whole idea of confrontation within Christianity starts really picking up. Because what happens if you're not very sure in what you're trying to argue? You start getting defensive and combative in a way. So a lot of Christians who are out here aggressively trying to push the gospel 
aren't as educated as they should be. Get flustered. And then they get flustered, and then they just get mad and mm-hmm. angry at the person who very well could be way more persuasive or manipulative mm-hmm. than them. And even if they don't mean to be that way, it's just it's what happens. And people right. may have and it's, when it comes down to an argument. If you're if you have the weaker argument, you're gonna get defensive. Mm-hmm. So you need to be way more sure in your faith and salvation about these kind of arguments so you don't get flustered and that just gives us a bad look. I mean, even if even if even if they are arguing better than you, you gotta be respectful of them at least and just argue your point for what you can. If you lose it, you lose. One thing that's frustrating respectful about it. is that you can say you don't know because yeah. you don't have all the answers every time. Exactly, Sometimes they're yeah. gonna pose a question that you just don't know, so don't try to answer be it with some ignorant half witted exactly. answer and then you look like a fool and you make the gospel look foolish and then you make God look like a fool and then it's just yeah, you've lost it. Because God's lost that person. solid, but yeah. it's like we're the ones that are flawed, not being. Yeah, consistent. we try to like, oh, God has these flaws in his little in his gospel, so I have to think of something smart to say to convince people that it's right. But the gospel is right. You yeah. just present the gospel, yeah. and, and it's, God it's up, does it's up the to work. them. It's up to them to really accept whether or not they're going to follow it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you're not like I said. That's why the whole thing with the, you know, God hates the gays kind of style of uh, debating is ridiculously horrible mm-hmm. because like I said in the end it's all up to the person whether or not they're really going to accept or not you're you're never going to ever ever convert someone by yelling in their face about how wrong they are in their way of life that's just it's it's completely impractical and a useless style of argument in the end nobody's going to win and people are just going to get really bad ideas about the other each, each other mm-hmm. yeah and like like you were saying Jack it's like all all of evangelism is not about what we can do it's about what God's doing and the gospel is powerful enough we're just instruments and what's cool is that even when we fail, God still uses it, but we need to be prepared. I mean, Peter talks about make sure we have an answer for everyone to ask, and we should have an answer. So I want to ask this question because I want to make sure we hit on this point of, like, how do you think a scripture, or a better way to answer it, or ask it is, how do you think young adults who are leaving, young adults in general, whether they're Christian, whether they're not Christian, how do they view uh, scripture? What do you think their ideas of scripture are? The ones that are in the church or out of the church? Um, we do both, either one. I mean, general. just as a general thing is they don't know it enough. It's hard to really get a good view for the scripture if you don't know enough of it or if you just have a very basic understanding of it. You really, your faith is really getting built when you understand the scripture more. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's, that's why I say if you're really in doubt, you read the Bible and you can just get inspiration from it. Well, how are you going to get inspiration if you're not reading it or understanding it at all? Yeah. So if you don't know the scripture that much, if you're just kind of a neutral Christian, he doesn't speak to you the same way. I think out of the church is just a storybook and at best it's telling them about Jesus who they may or may not if they believe in him then they'll think oh yeah that was Jesus he was a cool dude he's a good teacher and that's all I get from him yeah and it's just a little bit of account for him that's it at the most really. yeah I think you guys got I think there's like three points you guys hit two of them and then just to finish up with the the third aspect of that is the thing because you have the ones out of the church and you have the ones uh that Ty was talking about but um I think a big problem that I've seen in Berean that I've seen through doing ministry, and not that I've done ministry and I'm a professional or anything, but just through looking at kids and thinking about it, what what they like to do is, is alter scripture. I can't tell you the many times like I've talked to kids yeah. at Berean, and they say, well, this part's true because I like that part. It doesn't say I'm bad. I like that part. But that part that talks about homosexuality or that talks about the sin, I'm just going to throw that out. That, talk that, that, point that, that uh, part that talks about creation, I just can't understand that. So I don't want it there. And they just pick and choose from the Bible. And that's like something I'm, I'm so passionate about. Like, it, Tough dirty gospel style. 
yeah, it's just it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't make sense because it all goes together. And I want to read this verse uh, for the listener because I think this is really important. Um, I turned away from it, but it's Second <laughs> Timothy three, verse sixteen and seventeen. And I just want you to listen to it. And I want I want to just cover this a little bit, and then I'll ask for you guys uh, what you guys think about that, and then we'll move on to our next part. But it says. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that's just saying the Bible's got everything we need. It, yeah. It's comprehensive. It gives us everything. It's not exhaustive. It's not covering every issue. I mean, we don't find pedophilia in the Bible, but we know pedophilia is wrong because we look at the principles that God is laying out for us. And What's awesome about this passage is it talks about for – I don't want to start preaching, but I, for these – I think this is important for us to know that it says for teaching, telling us, telling us what's right, for proof, telling us what's wrong, for correction, telling us where we need to go, and then for training righteousness, telling us how we stay where we're supposed to be going. And Scripture gives us everything we need. So I, it's just – it's this selfish idea of thinking that we can we can change Scripture because God's word is not good enough. We need to put it in our own ways. Uh yeah, any input on that? To further the idea of them warping scripture, it's not exactly the same thing that you mm-hmm. were just saying, but they also look at passages and try to apply everything they can to themselves or yeah. to the nation. Like you see these people highlight these things, they're like red, white, and blue in their Bible, and it's talking about Israel, but they're yes. like, oh, this is talking about America. Oh, man, God's yeah. going to save us. God has got our backs. He's got us. We're good. And it's talking about Israel, and they try to warp it and make it talk about what they're talking about today, but they don't look at the context and yes. understand what it's actually discussing. So true. Yeah, that's the, oh, frustrating. It's like no, that's not what the context is saying. That's Israel. You're not yeah. Israel, America. Okay, but I, I yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you, Jack. Um, so one more point in just talking about because I want to talk about what the church is doing wrong too. I don't want to just us harp on the harping on young adults. Yeah, but um, one last thing about young adults, and I think think maybe to emphasize. Just reading some articles about progressive Christianity, we hit most of them. But I think a lot of people are are scared of this idea of God being. They just want God to be a God of love. They say God is love. God doesn't do anything with wrath. That's the God of the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. We don't deal with that anymore. We're just um, gonna ignore Revelations, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, what, what do you guys think about that? Just that. How would you come if a person came up to you and like God is love and God doesn't do anything with wrath? Like, how would you talk to someone? God about is that? love, and and God is all about for, is all about forgiveness and, and grace. Mm-hmm. But, but also about truth. Yeah, it's all about truth. And and, and the conviction. And conviction. I mean. Yeah. Because that's what that men's retreat was all about, was yeah. having a healthy balance of grace and truth. You be loving and kind and forgive and forgive your, your brothers and sisters in Christ and those outside of it. But you also have to be truthful and be real and, and call them out when they are doing the things wrong. You can't just let it slide under the rug. And we may not, we may not be getting the same kind of direct interference as we did in the Old Testament with the firebombing of cities mm. right. from the heavens. But even in the New Testament, it's very clear. We define a heaven and a hell. And the yeah. lake of fire. Now sinners will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. Yeah, it's it's very. Clear. I mean, it's there. It's very clear. I mean, we have the entire book of Revelation talking about the apocalypse and the great seven seven horsemen. And I mean, all of these horrible, horrible things that are going to happen. I mean, and they're there. And people, you can't deny them, and it it, it makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's why that's the all the more encouragement to live for the Lord, because of the, as of the afterlife and what's going to happen. After this world is gone, and that's what nobody likes to. That's why that's what especially with a lot of young people, it's too far away for them. They don't, yeah. they oh, don't yeah. think of the afterlife. It's the present. Everyone's that's why I said, yeah. I said kind of in the beginning with this whole, you know, self love mentality. 
it's all about the now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is all about the now. Nobody, nothing, nothing about the self-love mentality is based for afterlife. There is, I mean, from what I've gathered at least, I mean, I could be wrong, but I've never heard anything about self-love caring in the afterlife. It's all about the now. So this whole thing with this whole prosperity and this whole love ideology carries into that as well. It, it makes you want to feel good in the now because the God, God is love, and that's just you want to feel good for that. Yeah. But you don't want to think of what can happen after. Right. And like you were saying, it's like people try to separate Old and New Testament as if they're two separate gods in these, and they're two separate stories. But all of Scripture is one cohesive story leading mm-hmm. up to redemption. I mean, you look at the whole Bible is about Christ and redeeming us. It's not two separate gods, not two separate stories. But they try to do that, but that's just, it's not the case. It's it's all leading up to that God is love and he is redemption and he is convicting and he is wrath yeah. he is both yeah and like i don't know how they couldn't see that in the in the uh new testament uh with romans <laughs> 1 and uh actually i want to read that jack look up uh, romans 116 if you don't mind and while he's doing that i want to put another point um just that wow that was a very fast turn. <laughs> okay um romans chapter 9 verse 21 and i'll, I'll touch on that for a second it's just how we don't understand like our place in this world because we we somehow think we can we can talk to we have more power than we do that's what i mean is that we as humans don't understand our place and like i'll let you guys touch on this because i want to hear what you think but just uh, how it says in romans 9 verse 21 has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same love one vessel for honorable use another for dishonorable use and paul's talking on a lot more than just this idea but He's, he's saying, God is our creator. We're the creature. The creator can do whatever he wants. And I like to say this to the, to the youth group. Like, if God wanted to send out a missile and kill all of us right now, he'd be completely justified in doing it. Because he created us. He's the potter. Just like a potter has right over the clay. It can make whatever it wants with the clay. God can do whatever he wants. But because God's so good, God's so merciful, he's given us more in this life. And I think that's just... The potter awesome. could break the pot. Yeah. That's what I say. He just scrap the clay. Break it with a hammer, man. Get it out of here. Yeah. But... I mean, he's not going to do right now because we are. He's giving, he gives us chances, and he, he he loves us. Yeah, that's all. That's the thing about God's love. But there's always he can do that if he wanted to. Really wanted to, we could do that. Yeah, and a good God has to punish. Like, yes. what kind of God would it be if he's just like, oh well, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you can do pedophilia. You can just go around and kill people. It's, it's the same thing as the parent who doesn't discipline their child. Yeah, who always ends up in jail in the future because you know they run around doing whatever they want, and all they get is you know. A little tiny slap on the wrist of a no, no, don't do that, and then they still do it because there's nothing, nothing happened. Yeah, and he, Hebrews got to be talks about that idea, like that same analogy, Ty. That was a good point of like how, like a father, like parents, gonna punish a child because they love them, and we're. I feel like people are missing the ultimate act of of God's love, how amazing God is, and how much love He's shown. We see through through the crucifixion, through the resurrection, and through our daily lives, how much God is loving us, mm. um, and how good of a God He is. And we diminish God by not showing that wrath side because it shows even more how amazing he is and how he punishes evil because he wants us to be with him. I mean, the way you know that your, your, his love for you is showing is conviction as a whole, the Holy Spirit convicting you. I mean, would a God who doesn't love you can want to convict you? No, because he, he, he wouldn't care. Yeah. The, the, the feeling of conviction after you do something wrong alone with the Holy Spirit convicting you is a sign that there is love because he wants you to do better and he wants you to feel what you did wrong he can learn from it and make amends and make it better. Right. If that, if that love's not there, then of course we're going to want to live in sin because there's nothing convicting us anymore. Yeah. But that love is there because he wants us to do better. 
Alright, well, uh, let's switch gears a little bit, unless you guys have anything to put with young adults. Um, because any young adults listening, I don't want you to think we're just Wait, yelling at you, dude. Because I'm a young adult, too. <laughs> yeah, because we're all we young are. adults. But that's why it's so, we're so passionate about it, because we understand this, this thought process of what's going on here. Um, and if you're not a young adult listening, I don't want you to think that just looking at this, the newer generation, like, oh, they're just all horrible people. Because you guys are doing stuff wrong, too. Everyone's doing stuff wrong. <laughs> um, and I want to actually switch gears and talk about what the church is doing wrong. And, like, we're, we're not, Jack, Ty, and I aren't really doing what these young adults are doing. We can see their thought process, but we've gotten a solid foundation of Scripture by the people that have mentored us and helped us. But there's still failures in the church, and I think we have to recognize that. Um, so... What what's some failures that the church is doing? And Ty, if you want to go ahead and hit on that hypocrisy a little bit, I know you were gonna. Yeah, it's just. Bit. I mean, the one thing that we see the most, especially when it comes down to this Bible Belt section where we're at, is all of these amazing pastors, pastors who are who, who think they are the they are they are the they are the law, they are the holy ones. But yeah. in reality, they're they're just as sinful as anyone else. I mean, what is the, one of the biggest sins that you see that destroys pastors in the church? Probably sexual sin, adultery. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing that all these pastors will condemn the deaf people for, and then they'll get caught cheating, and that's that's it for them. They completely fall down. And while we gotta understand they're human and they'll make mistakes, yes. The biggest thing is this high and mighty pastoral belief that they are. That they are beyond sin, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying every pastor, nor near every pastor, is like that. It's just the, the, that appearance that a lot of these guys give off. It's how amazingly perfect they are. I mean, especially it's especially prevalent with a lot of these these megachurch pastors that you see, especially as well. I mean, we, we, I was talking about Ken, we were talking about Kenneth Copeland the other day, especially. I mean, that they are the these magic beings that can do no wrong and that they can do anything for us if we help them. And when you look at the Catholic Church with the exactly. priests, they the conflate the Catholics and Christians as basically the same. Oh, so yeah. that gives us a bad exactly. reputation as well. I mean, the Pope is a human, mm-hmm. and what we don't, what Catholicism, I mean, the Pope sins. The Pope's a sinner. He's not this all-powerful God's gift to humanity. <laughs> yeah, he if, is still a human. If you go up to like an average young adult, a secular young adult, and ask them, like, who you, who encompasses Christianity, the amount of people that they'll say is actually Christians that aren't, like the Catholic yeah. Church, yeah, like people think. Just if you believe something, you're automatically a Christian. I mean, if God's really in there somewhere. Yeah, if God's in there, then you're a Christian. <laughs> it's like you're a Mus- you're a Buddhist, you're a Muslim, you're not a Christian, dude. And like, if you just believe something about God, like you're you're a theist, and you just believe mm. God exists. It's like, it's like the mentality of you go up to you know a hundred people on the street and say, "Do you believe in God?" Most people would say, "I believe in God," but are they actually a Christian? Yeah, they don't you know? understand yeah. the gospel. They don't understand all. the gospel at all. Nor do, nor do they live for the gospel. They most people just believe that there's a higher power that exists. Yeah, and I think that's one of the problems also with that hypocrisy is we're just not emphasizing the gospel enough. Um, and I think Brian's done an awesome job with that thing. And I think a lot of they churches... They haven't, yeah, they've, actually, they've been pushing it real hard yeah, now. And which is good, because the gospel's our hope, especially through like COVID, through all the things that are changing in this world. Mm-hmm. The gospel provides that hope. Um, so, yeah. And, and yeah, and that's actually another thing mm-hmm. as well. The church in the face of crisis is another huge one. I mean... How it, it look? It tends to look bad when something ha- wrong happens in the world. With all the stuff we preach of just putting all of your faith in the Lord, and that we'll get through anything together, and then something happens—be it a terrorist attack or be it a large-scale pandemic—that will affect us personally and not be on the other side of the world, or far away from us. People lose their minds, and yeah, they're still human, 
you understand that, but it's an, it's it's a practice of what you preach. Yeah. Idea. You got if if you're gonna if you're gonna preach the idea that we've got to live our life with gospel, we just gotta put all faith in that we all we, if we all put our faith in it, we can get through it all. Mm-hmm. It's gonna look absolutely horrible if you see people rant, what we suppose Christians ranting on Facebook about how everything is how how horrible this is and how wrong it is and what everything that's messed up that's out of their control it's just it doesn't look good for us. It's, it's it's showing that you're freaking out and you're panicking and you're not taking your own advice. Right. I mean, I've seen I've seen, I've seen enough people, even in Brian, who are losing their minds over it. Right. Yeah. And then I've seen the good amount of people who are doing it right, who are listening to the to the lawmakers in this time of crisis, and are putting their but also putting their faith in the Lord. That's that's the other thing. We have to listen to the lawmakers, but we can still put our faith in the Lord. And not freak out over it. We know the Lord's in full, full control of what's happening. Mm. Whatever happens, it's His will. And there's nothing we can do to change that. Yeah. So we can do our part to be careful with all this thing and follow our orders and, and be smart about it. But there's no point in freaking out about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I just want to... Well, before I give that, what, what else do you guys think are some church failures? Just thinking through some things the church is failing at. Um, Maybe it's too much of a focus on tradition sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Because obviously oh, yes. that doesn't appeal to the younger crowd. Right. And I'm not saying you got to change everything about your church, but there are some things that you can. Times change. Yeah. You can you can adjust a little exactly. bit. I mean, tradition yeah. tradition is one thing. I mean, I mean, communion is tradition. Mm. And baptism is tradition. But yeah. when it comes down to especially with preaching styles. Well, yeah. There's a difference between. Biblical tradition that the scriptures exactly. tell you to do, and the tradition that you just came up with yourself. Exactly, like yeah. the old, 20, like the King James, two hundred years ago. Yeah, King, old, old school King James style, uh, just like old, old, old school, like old England style traditions that are just not gonna, yeah. are not like relevant. That's not a biblical precedent. It's not. It's not, yeah. it's not a biblical precedent. It's not as a gospel anymore. is being yeah. preached. Because you got to think about nice. it. All those traditions when they were they were being taught in the modern times for those people as well. So it was yeah, just it, as, was, it was modern for them. It wasn't tradition for them. And they just kept going, but if we're holding these old school traditions, it's not getting through the same way it would, especially to, yeah. especially to the to the younger generation who's a lot more free thinking. Yeah, we can't expect it to. Like that's not a wrong thing. Exactly, it's, and application like, is a, is a huge thing. The Bible's like with the idea of contextualizing everything and putting it, uh, like I think a big a uh, a way to say it is like the approach changes, but the message doesn't, and mm-hmm. that you keep the gospel at the forefront. The mm-hmm. gospel doesn't change. You never change the gospel, Paul. Paul's the best example of this, I think, because he's going around in Acts preaching to literally everyone. He goes to the Greeks, but the way he preaches to the Greeks is not the same way he's preaching to the Jews. Like you can look up the passages, oh, yeah, yeah. and he is approaching mm-hmm. Greeks on a more logical level, and then the Jews, he's taking a completely different approach. Like just read the book of Acts, and you, you can see that through Paul's missionary journey that he changes his approach because he's not going to go talk to Greeks like you would Jews. That's that's There's dumb. A cultural it, differences. Yeah. It wouldn't register the same. Yeah, way. and we can't expect it. Like even even the gospels. Like look at the gospels. Each of the gospels are addressed to a different mm-hmm. sort of people. Yeah. So they're written differently to yeah. accommodate to that. Each of the, I mean, it's all about all the same the, thing. All the epistles are even. Yeah. I mean, you read through the epistles, Paul's epistles. I mean, they're all. Yeah. It's not going to talk to the church Galatians mm-hmm. the same exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely that's a good point. You got to change. The, you got to change the way you preach. I mean, I understand. You got to make sure you're preaching the right thing, but. I think you want to get through to a different crowd. You got to preach. Yes. It's not one size understand. fits all sort of mentality. I feel like that's a big struggle in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's the idea that you must conform to their ideas and their style, and you have to, you just got, you got to change everything about yourself to fit in, right? Yeah, 
And like, and, and older Christians get, get so upset with this because, <laughs> and I understand it because like, I grew up like that. And then when your ideas are challenged, you're like, no, that's wrong. You're, you're wrong. And then you look at scripture like, wait, so it, you're telling me it doesn't say anything about drums in the Bible? Exactly. <laughs> right. That's the thing. The mu- like, and music is one of the, probably the, uh, music is probably one of the major, major, major sticking points in this southern conservative belt. It is very divisive. It, it's like, where I, when I was, when I was working out of, out of the town, mm-hmm. I went to a church where it was, you know, they had a piano and they had an organ. And in the corner of, in the corner of the auditorium, with no amplifiers or anything, was a mandolin and an acoustic guitar player that played it. And you heard nothing. It was, yeah. it was completely barren. I mean, it was. I mean, it's very traditional. And I'll give mm-hmm. them. I mean, that appeals to certain people. Yeah, to the older generation. And then you yeah. can. And then, and then of course you have Berean, where we have electric guitars and we have keyboards and we have drums, and it's not. I mean, rhythm is not sin. Yeah. I understand at points where it can get too focused on mm-hmm. the music, but you just got to keep it all in perspective. I mean, you can change it up and you can add flavor to it. It appeals to certain people, and it, it appeals to especially younger younger people. I mean, this whole idea of Christian contemporary music is a newer thing, and it appeals to the, mostly younger people. And if the church is going to stick to these extremely conservative methods of how you know anything involving a beat is absolute sin, then you're one hundred percent. I mean, that's just one of that's. It's not even. It's not even a deep theological sin at all. It's not at all a deep theological problem. It's just a little thing. It's, one, it's just one of those little things that will start turning away people. As long as you're worshiping Christ and leading people exactly. in the worship of Christ, then it shouldn't matter what instruments you're using. Right. Te- as long as you're teaching and worshiping, that is the biggest thing. I mean, yeah. And it's just like it's one of those little things that it, it's not going to be a game breaker, but it's kind of like it just it's one of those little seeds. Yeah. That'll slowly kind of work. I think like older person listening, you shouldn't. You need to just think about your tradition. We're not telling you everything you believe is wrong, but think about whether it's tradition or biblical precedent. And then also, if you're a young adult, don't be scared by tradition because it's not necessarily something you have to do. I encourage you to ask questions. Mm-hmm. That's something I think our generation is better at. We ask questions, but even then we still sometimes get scared. Exactly. We think we'll be wrong. But like, question things. Like, I think it's perfectly fine to be questioning things about Scripture. I'd love for you to ask, like, so all these deep theological questions because Job's doing that. Habakkuk does that. They ask questions because they don't understand. Why would we have a question and say, Oh, I'm just not going to ask it because I don't want to challenge things. This is why. This is why I love Pastor Sean. Like for my senior year in mm-hmm. Bible class with him, that's why it was such a such a good. Hey, can you stop having an alien attack here? Okay. No idea why my phone. Now you're fine. Started doing an SOS call. Well, that's, that's why I love Pastor Sean's Bible. Is class. our podcast so, that bad? Oh gosh. <laughs> and that's why I love Pastor Sean's Bible class though because it was it was with him. It was very much focused on asking questions. It was an open discussion, and that's one of the best ways I learned a lot more about scripture was just through random open discussions that we'd start in a point and we'd just start asking questions and oh, we'd yeah. carry, get carried along and eventually we went out of time. But, but those were some of the best classes. They are. Yeah. You just, you just, and and it's, it's, especially when it comes down to small groups, that's why I like, that's why especially the, the ideas of Sunday schools, mm-hmm. always smaller cell groups, not these large services with, where it's just a large service and it's just a preacher preaching, that's it, kind of like a mass. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand large worship is still good, and that's why we have, you know, services. Right. But little cell groups like like Bible studies and Sunday schools are ever all all the more important nowadays, especially just because we need to have these little times where we can have small groups that are more comfortable and just openly discuss it. Right. And I, I feel like, well, it's definitely, I'm not going to say that Sunday school is, you know, not happening anymore. I mean, it's definitely happening. It's just... These smaller, smaller groups really need to be a bigger push. 
Yeah. Make them more There's comfortable. Definitely a big place. Get age groups together, things like that. Yeah. Be more comfortable together. How that works. Um, so I know I didn't, I told Jack to read Romans 1 and then I forgot. So, uh, <laughs> if Jack, if you can read Romans 12, 5, just to kind of give us a basic overview of this idea. Sure. Uh, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Yeah, so just that idea of, we've got to have unity among the older, among the younger, among everyone. And I think Mr. McManus always, I love when he said that we need to prepare for for uh, homosexuals coming to the church, mm. for transgenders coming to the church, because they're looking for something to fulfill, and it's not going to fulfill. And when they realize that, they're going to be looking for other things, so they're going to come to the church. And we can't turn them away because yeah. they're a transgender or gay. I mean, but if a, if like three gays walked into a church, a lot of us would feel uncomfortable. Like, exactly. Oh, we come or people get mad. Like or it's, yeah. it's, cause we, it's a sin. Yeah. Like, I understand. Like, it's we a don't struggle. sin, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> like, we don't sin. We are, we're all sinners, and we have to make yeah. sure we embrace them. Yeah, and we can't. We don't want to. We don't want to. But we don't want to go too far and make them seem like what they're doing is right. Right. We want to embrace them and show that we love and care for them. But we need to also clarify that what we what we believe in. But we still need to be friendly and loving to them. Yeah. So I think overview of just church's failures. This is this lack of unity and just emphasize unity based on the gospel rather than tradition. So for the last five minutes, I just want us to give some solutions. Um, what we would say to this whole problem, because we emphasize the failures of youth, emphasize church failures, but I want to leave you guys with some practical ideas, um, some things we can uh, continue on. So what do you guys think? What would you say to help the church, to help young people better understand the gospel? We kind of hit some things, but uh, what do you think? I mean, the one thing for, children, for, for younger, not children, younger adults who are leaving the church, mm-hmm. they, need to have, they need to know that not every church may be like what they left. I mean that's that's the, and that is one advantage to living where we're at in the Bible Belt is if you're not if the, if the church you're going to does not is not working for you. That was one thing I struggled. There's a million other churches to go to. That was one thing I struggled with a lot when I was at Tacoa because mm-hmm. I was looking for new college or new churches around and um, none of them were like Berean, but because I was out of my element, I was uncomfortable. I kind of didn't give them much of a chance because they were just so different. And some were rightfully so, you know, that was not the right church to be at. But some I just didn't continue going back to because I felt uncomfortable. And so right. I should have changed that, but I didn't at the time. So just be open-minded, mm-hmm. I would say, um, to the differences of other church. And just evaluate if they're pre- preaching scripture and worshiping Christ, it's probably a good start. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I definitely with that. And I think uh, going off with Second Timothy, that... 2 Timothy 3.16-17 we talked about the scripture he just addressed things specifically rather than doing like when there's problems that come up in the world when there's problems that you just need to talk about like homosexuality talk about it talk about pornography talk about these these hard topics like um, I think that sometimes we just give a big overview rather than going specifically saying hey look at this this is why we believe this this is why we believe what we believe and just kind of doing this this apologetic of this is why we're Christians because a lot of a lot of people, I believe they might be Christians. Yeah, young, young adults may be Christians in the church. But they have n- no idea, really, the overview and how amazing that is, and how it applies to every area of their life, and how they believe in Christ. They believe what He did, but they don't fully understand the impact of that, and that the gospel is not just this this one time process. That it's this thing that continues throughout your entire life. That you're justified immediately, and then you're progressively sanctified, and you get to walk with Christ. So I think addressing things specifically, seeing how how awesome the gospel is mm. um yeah and uh i want you guys to touch on this idea too i want to hear what you, what you think mm-hmm. about this just this idea of not being 
that we're not perfect. That we can't expect church to be perfect. That we can't expect young adults to be perfect. But we know Christ is and we can make him our cornerstone. And just the implications of, of that. Like Ephesians 2, 20, 20 is talking about like how Christ is our, our cornerstone and how awesome that is. So just what are, what are your guys' closing thoughts with this idea? What would you, what would you say to a young adult about just this importance of going to church and a church leader about it? What do you think? You gotta, you gotta actually base your life upon it. You can't, yeah. especially when you're young, especially when you're really young and you're kind of first learning, you don't base your life on it. It's just something you're kind of learning about, but you still live your life as your own. But it really, it actually, it actually, these days are making sense, I guess, but it starts working for you, I guess you'd say, when you start trying to live your life for Christ and basing your life on Christ instead of just kind of learning about it. When you base your life on Christ, that's when you actually notice a change and you notice uh, just your entire style of doing things changes because now you have the Holy Spirit in your life and it's actually pushing on you a lot more. That's why, And that's why you need to kind of continue your walk because if you don't, you're going to want to turn away and then you're going to go into the world and you're going to get lost again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you're, when you're actually trying to, when you're actually praying about, if you, even if you're a young person and you're not feeling content where you're at in your church or if you want to try and, if you just, you're not getting, it's not getting to you, then you just need to pray. See, Lord, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Find me, help me find a place that I can, I can properly learn. Guide me somewhere. You're in charge. Taking me where you want me to be. Yeah. So that's definitely a big thing that young people need to just kind of focus on is instead of just turning their backs and thinking all churches are like this. You know that there are other churches and there's other places that are going to speak to you differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack, any other closing thing? Um, not trying to repeat too much of what he just Very said. Good. I was reading in Hebrews earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which part, but it does talk about continuing in the faith, continuing in the race, um, yeah. or else you will fall away. And that's why there's such a heavy emphasis on church and fellowship mm-hmm. in Scripture, because you need that fellowship for accountability, for love, for encouragement, um, and for a place to for corporate worship to to praise the Lord together. Because it's good; it it replenishes the soul. It's it's good for your for your heart and your mind. Um, so, you know, you just, you have to continue in that faith or you, you will fall away. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Both those points are very good, guys. Um, Ty, just to close everything, can you read Acts 4.12? Yeah. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. All right. And just, just think about the idea, how awesome Christ is, and how it's through Christ that we can look, and through how Christ changes everything. And how the gospel is exclusive but it, it's exclusive because it shows, and it's conditional because it shows how, how loving Christ is. And how he doesn't want evil in this. He wants a personal relationship with you. He doesn't want a robot. He wants you. And how awesome that is. How awesome our God is. And how we can have a firm message. We can be firm with the gospel. We can adapt. And I think we have to just go out of our comfort zone. We, we usually have a line. And I, I've talked about this before with, with the youth group before. Just how we have a, this a line of we're comfortable with. But we need to look over that line, go out to where we're comfortable, and spread the gospel. Show how amazing Christ is. Show how amazing the gospel is. Talk to people. Serve and, and love scripturally. Not based on our own self-desires like we, we've talked about. But focused on what Christ can do and how we can serve Christ. And we can serve others. We can serve Christ through serving others. And that will change the church if we focus on Christ. That will change young adults. So I hope you enjoyed this. 
Uh, we went longer than we thought we were going to do, yeah. so that's yeah. good. Um, but I appreciate Jack and Ty's input. And if you guys have any questions, just let me know. And uh, have a great day. Thanks. Bye.